Yeah, they can kill and murder and rape whenever they feel like it. What a life. I want to well, be a pirate. I want to be a swashbuckler. <laughs> That's what I want my kids to want to be. Yeah. Maybe maybe we romanticize it because there's no women allowed on ships, so there's not quite as much rape as there is with other ones, like with Vikings. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. But I don't know. I don't know. That's my, like, just off the top of my head guess. <laughs> I thought you were going a different... I, no. I think we romanticize it because there's no women. No. And no, no, what no, a no, great no. world that would be. That is not what I'm saying. <laughs> that, that sounded like what you were saying, Connor. I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. I'll be more careful with my words. <laughs> uh, so, welcome. Uh, I am here with Jimbo Jordan. Uh, that's me. Magician, comedian, improviser, uh, friend. I might add. Oh, well, thank you. You're That's, very welcome. Yeah, well, thank you for nice being my say. friend. Oh, I hear um, <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Why did that we have traveled, to be a question? We traveled around the road. We traveled down this road and back again. Yeah, we yeah. sure did. <laughs> yeah. But if you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, the biggest gift you'd see would be from me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. Ooh. That's just a little reference that I don't think any of your listeners will get. Well, for the one who might, it's worth it. There you go. It's worth it. It's a repeat viewer right there. Uh, for everyone tuning in, you know what you're tuning into. It's Deep Thoughts with Connor, Christmas, and Gang. Hey! Yeah, that's usually what people do. I never warn, I never warn the artists. <laughs> um, yeah, so Jimbo, uh, he's, uh, I improvise with Jimbo. That's how we have met. Yeah. Uh, with the Kinkonauts here in Calgary. Um, awesome improv troupe down at the Alexandra, a couple blocks over in Inglewood. Um, if you haven't seen them, check them out. Uh, and Jimbo, you're also a magician. Yeah. Primarily a magician. Primarily a magician. Yeah. Yeah. And do you go by magician? Because some magicians go by like mentalist or like. It depends on the gig. Okay. <clears throat> really. It depends on what I want. Most of the time I have people bill me as a vaudevillian. Ah, yes. Yeah. Because you do the comedy. Yeah. Because nobody knows what a vaudevillian is. Mm. Right. And so there's no expectations set up. That's pretty right? smart. I mean, you comedians kind of have the curse of, of being called comedians. Mm -hmm. Right. As soon as you you come on stage there's a stigma yeah you know you have to fill a quota of laughs exactly but if yeah. you just call me a vaudevillian you're pleasantly surprised with everything i do that's great <laughs> i i might steal that I, might. <laughs> I did i did specifically ask a gig that billed me as a comedian to take that off of the posters and to okay. take it off because it does it really yeah. does set up even a, in like even when you're not performing like yeah. for me like if someone if one of my oh, friends yeah. tells another person i'm meeting Oh, Connor's a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Then they're automatically like, "Tell me a joke." Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it's okay. not as it's not as bad as show me a magic trick. That's though. true. Yeah, that's that's probably. <laughs> I always come back with like, "What do you do for a living?" And yeah. then they're like, uh, "And I'm accountant." So I'm like, "Do my taxes right <laughs> <Yeah>. now." <laughs> Boom! You just got spritzed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How you like that crowd work instead yeah. of a joke? Uh, there you go. Yeah. Or or you go the other route of like, well, you have to explain that like. It's not that simple to right. just like do a joke or do a magic trick. You have yeah. to like set up the context. You have to mm -hmm. like, there's so many things. What is it like for a magician in that scenario? Well, in a, in a magician situation, you have to have props on you, right? And so when someone asks you the question, they just assume you have, they, they're either assuming that you have props on you and are able to just suddenly whip out a deck of cards and do yeah. a magic trick, or maybe pull a dove out of your pocket, right? <laughs> In which case, they're either thinking you have props or you actually have magic powers, 
And you can just manifest a dove or manifest a deck of cards and start doing magic with it. See, like, if you actually had magic powers, would a dove and cards be the first thing you would go to? Exactly. If I had magic powers, (laughs) would I be talking to you right now? I mean, (laughs) I've got better shit to do. I'm a magician. I can fly. Yeah. I can fly to Albuquerque right now. Why am I even here? Albuquerque, I don't know why, but... Albuquerque is a beautiful place. Is it? I've never been Uh, there. yeah, Yeah, well, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad... Then oh. you haven't seen enough of Albuquerque. I have not. Oh, I'm well, not. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you've been a magician, like, all over the place. Oh, all yeah. All over the I've, map. Yeah. I've yeah. been a magician in places. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, then it, in between, you're not a magician. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I, uh, I've traveled with my show extensively. Yeah. Um, because not only... I. I would classify myself as a street magician, mm-hmm. um, which is where I really cut my teeth as a street performer here in Calgary. Um, and when it, winter hits, I'm out of a job. So for years, I would just travel around where summer was, follow okay. Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, yeah. Japan, wherever summer is, wherever people want to see buskers, that's where I would go. Okay, yeah. cool. So how long did you do that for? I never saw a Canadian winter for about six years. Wow, that yeah. sounds like my dream. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it got it got more and more expensive every year. Oh, really? The flight to Australia got like more expensive by like $100. Oh. Then I started noticing it was jumping up by $200. And then by the end, I don't know what it is now, to get a flight to Australia during the time of year that I need to be there, um, which is peak season. It's yeah. like three grand. Whoa. just to fly there That's so crazy. it's getting to the point now where you can't just fly there and expect to make your living on the street yeah. and then be able to come back because you have to break even you have to go there and then make three grand yeah to cover your flight and then and, and then at the same extra. time survive yeah right you have to pay for your rent you have to pay for your hostel or if you get a flat mm-hmm. or feed yourself food's expensive there yeah yeah because I've looked into like houses in Australia. So, like housing, housing is not that expensive in Australia, no. is it? No, it's not. In yeah. fact, like I love, you can rent a flat by weekly. Yeah, I've right? heard of this. Yeah, you can just pay pay weekly rent or bi weekly rent mm-hmm. rather than monthly rent, which is so much easier to do. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't understand. Like whole the whole concept of renting things is different. There. Yeah. It's like really a, you have to lease this for a year. Yeah. Like, but what if yeah. I don't want to? Yeah. <laughs> what like, if I have to go to Australia? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to have to sign a contract or get into a thing. Right. The the fact is you own the thing. And when I'm done with it, I'll give it back to you. And then yeah. you can rent it to somebody else. That's that's the great thing about renting. Mm-hmm. You owned a thing and now you can get residual income from it. You know? Yeah. Like renting cars. That's the big thing that I find that drives me nuts about Canada. I would rather not own a car. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I got rid of my car not too long I, ago. I wish that I could do and, that. I yeah. really wish that I could do that because in Australia, you can get up, get by quite nicely without a car because you can just hire a car, yeah. right? And you can hire it for the week and drive it to wherever you need to go. And you can even just drop it off there and then not have a car, hmm. right? Your travel to another city is taken care of just by renting a car. Yeah. Right? But you can't do that here. You have to drive it there. And then you have to return the car to the same place. And you have to be 25 or and older. Think, yeah. And yeah, so that's weird. I just turned 24 and I got rid of my car around my birthday. And I was like, why? Like, I should have waited a year. Mm. But I didn't know my car was going to last that long or not. So yeah. it was that kind of situation. Right. 
where every time you drive it, you'd be like, I might die, but yeah. you know, I'm going to risk it. <laughs> I think there's rocks in my engine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every time I hit a bump, uh, I hit the roof of my car. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when the engine starts making a noise and you're worried about it, and then it stops making the noise, and you're not sure whether or not you should feel better or worse. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> it, I think it fixed itself. <laughs> or it fell off. Yeah. Whatever was making that sound <laughs> has fallen off. There's a piece of my engine missing now. I love like the first reaction for me i think for I, I can speak for most people is like if you hear that noise you just like turn up your music a little bit more so that you don't hear that mo noise <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. getting the engine light flashing on my car every once in a while oh yeah and that's that and it, then it turns off after a couple days oh fixes so. itself it fixes itself yeah right you make a sharp turn and it turns off and yeah you're like what just happened yeah good car good car <laughs> yeah good job what a good car who's your good car <laughs> wish a car my car's name is honey d what was your car's name did my you? car uh it was mary mazda mary mazda yeah, Mary mazda my last name's christmas i thought mary was very fitting oh yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah it is very fitting what was your first car i um i leased i've always leased new cars oh really um you're just, much fancier than I'm i am a little fancy <laughs> kind of fancy uh you know i have a reputation to uphold that's right you gotta you gotta dress for success mm -hmm. yeah would you say you're are you fancy or are you more dandy than fancy i'm no, I'm just fancy. Okay. I'm just fancy. Okay. I'm not quite dandy. It was just, it wasn't a new car. It was a new car, but it was still just a, uh, what is it? A um, uh, Cavalier. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can't remember the maker. Chevrolet. Yeah. A Chevy Cavalier. So what it's like generic the, kind of, yeah, the yeah. low end. And I'm currently driving a Honda Accent, Hyundai Accent, and that's their low end version of a car. It's so. a nice looking car, though. I like it. Yeah. Has to have a hatchback for me because I have to get yes. gear in and out. Yeah, that was mine too. I had a hatchback. Yeah. And now I'm like looking into either trucks or vans because like yeah. if you're traveling, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, I had a van. I had a van did for a long time. Did you ever live in it? I've had two vans and I did sleep in my van quite a yeah. bit. Uh, I would travel to various fringe festivals and instead of paying for a hotel room, I would just sleep in my van. Awesome. Yeah. I like that. But I would have my showers at the YMCA and stuff. Perfect. Yeah, it's the dream. My yeah, my partner and I uh, are probably gonna buy a van in the next year or so and just live right. in there for a while. Yeah, and everyone's like, "You guys are gonna kill each other," and our house is not much bigger than a van, <laughs> <laughs> so I think we'll be fine. <laughs> van living's pretty cool. I mean, it's just like the van is just the place where you have your stuff and you sleep, mm -hmm. as long as you treat the planet as your space. Yeah. Right, and then the van is just where you go at night. Exactly, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And then other, other than that, you're doing other things. You're, yeah. you're always on the go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just don't, yeah, don't find yourself. I don't know. Sometimes rainy days. There were a couple festival days where it was just raining, mm -hmm. uh, and so there were no shows, and I had nowhere else to go but just sit in my van. Oh. <laughs> um, and yeah, there were a couple times that that happened, but yeah, yeah. Well, like now. You can get Wi-Fi in your exactly. Van. You can yeah. just park outside a, a Starbucks. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get free Wi-Fi and mm -hmm. stream some Netflix really slowly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just watch uh, Orange Is the New Black on buffer. Yeah, <laughs> and every once the, once the buffer reaches and then it pauses for a little while, yeah. you can just take some time and clean up the van a little. Exactly. Bit. Yeah. yeah, and maybe like take a little like weed break. Weed break, or oh. maybe, like maybe some beer. Yeah, as long as you're not driving, do not drive the van, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so you've performed in australia you mm. i remember you've told me a pretty interesting story about performing in china oh i did perform and in china yeah i would because i'm a little 
like sketchy on the details of that story. Would you mind telling it again? I would. Lo- I love telling this story. It's uh, the year is two thousand and eight, maybe true, nine. True religion jeans were <laughs> hot off the presses. <laughs> I, I wasn't paying attention to the jeans, but uh, uh, we were flown out to uh, Nanjing, China, to do the Euro American Clown Carnival. And I was hired to be a close-up magician. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I brought my little tiny case full of, like, a few decks of cards, some, some like, like, little pieces of string to do little tiny magic tricks to entertain small groups of people. And I get there, and uh, we drive to the venue, and the first thing we notice is that the venue that we're performing in is a huge stadium. <laughs> and the stage is on one end of the stadium, and then there's just... Oh, like, I don't know. It felt like 100,000 people yeah. just filling the stands, all cheering for us as we walked in. This was our check-in. We weren't really? scheduled to perform. We just walked into the venue, and the venue was full of people, and they all cheered for us. And then we, <laughs> like, out of costume, we're all just, because we're supposed to be clowns. This is what, yeah. this, we're in our everyday clothes, and we wave to the crowd and say, yes, uh, we are your performers. Yeah. And then they closed the giant doors behind us. And now I start to worry because mm-hmm. right ahead of us is a giant door with a huge lion face on it. Ooh. And I'm terrified that they're going to open that door and, and an then actual... just feed us to lions. <laughs> this is, we got tricked. <laughs> You've been duped. <laughs> You've been duped. And uh, uh, they, they made us do a parade around the stadium every morning at 823 because it's a special time. Oh. And they made us do this parade, and they loved it so much that the governor who hired us, the governor of Nanjing, pretty big deal, yeah. asked us to do three of these parades a day. <laughs> At all, like yeah. 823, what was the middle time? Uh, just we never did those other parades. Oh, okay. Because um, the whole idea of taking this gig, it didn't pay very much, but we were excited to be performing in China and experiencing the culture shock and going out and seeing things that we've never seen before, ancient buildings, yeah. and ruins and stuff. But if we're booked to do three parades a day plus our stage shows, we're never going to get out of the venue. Mm-hmm. So we kind of put our foot down and said, look, you're – we, we want to see China. Mm-hmm. We want to see Nanjing. We want to experience this culturally. This is why we came. And they said that the outside world is dangerous and that we're not like they don't want to be responsible for us getting hurt or injured or robbed or murdered Ugh. if we were out there experiencing the world. So they put armed guards at the doors of the venue to make sure that we never leave. That scared them so much, the idea that we could get hurt and that we'd hold them responsible. They put the military in charge <laughs> and they, they put armed guards at every door and we couldn't get back. We couldn't get past them. I actually had, I've never had a gun pushed into my chest before, right? As I just tried to be like, this is bullshit. I'm walking past this guard. I'm walking past this guard. And he just pushed a gun into my chest. That's very intimidating. Well, hey. well, yeah, you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> okay. I oh, just win. needed to go to the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you win. You win. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and I went back to my dressing room and four other performers found a secret door Ooh. in the dressing room and they followed this secret secret door which led to a dark tunnel and they had no light except for their phones and they're using their phones to make their way through the tunnel and they hear gunfire you're literally in an underground <laughs> railroad yeah <laughs> well they come out and there's this underground mall that they walked into 
right? They found this door and there was a mall underground lights and sounds and people clapping and trying to pull people in to buy stuff. It was just an overstimulating environment. That's insane. Yeah. And underneath a big stadium. Really? Yeah. It was underneath it? It was underground. They followed this tunnel all the way underground, and then it just led into this mall. Whoa. Yeah. That doesn't sound real. I, it, You're like, <laughs> I was blown away by the whole story myself. Yeah. yeah. The, whole, the whole China experience was exactly what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. It was culture shock, and it was, sho- it was amazing. Um, <clears throat> nothing that I asked for or expected was given to me so i really had to just roll with it yeah yeah and we all were and that's i think what made us all a lot of the performers that i went on that tour with have become lifelong friends because we just shared this experience yeah after an experience like that you can't right you a connection like that after getting a gun all shoved in your chest yeah you that's a brotherhood absolutely yeah (laughs) we're brother and sisterhood yeah we're strong (laughs) we're strongly connected now to that story i bet one of us uh one of us one of us (laughs) uh is even writing a book about that experience right a whole story it was a there's a lot that i could tell you about that those two weeks that i spent in nanjing didn't you i think you told me about a story of like where didn't they like it might have been this stadium story but didn't they like bring you in and like it was the whole like had you like on your knees kind of thing and like like talking to you or so i don't know like this was a while ago you were telling me about this i feel like it might have been another story that you're telling me about i'm not sure if, no. like i wasn't that maybe that's just how my brain imagined it it was yeah, just like, like these communists the, you like, just hear guns yeah. and you hear communists like, <laughs> and you hear china and you think you're on your knees in tiananmen square yeah yeah <laughs> i guess that's just what my brain put together yeah. well but nanjing's a pretty uh pretty pretty messed up city yeah um it's it's pretty incredible to see the war torn part of the city still standing um, next to brand new beautiful skyscrapers, but then other old buildings with holes blown right into them. Okay, right, and they're still standing, and you and you can kind of feel from the people as well that the older generation has seen some crap, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're still dealing with stuff while the younger generation is trying to move forward. And so there's I don't know this real duality there yeah yeah unstable ground yeah yeah because nanjing was where japan invaded oh okay yeah Yeah. Uh, it was called the rape of nanjing so that gives you a good image and that would be like that's world war ii right yes yeah yeah i think so around that time yeah so and they're they still have these buildings yeah now yeah so so yeah like like 80 years later yeah still still there with like seriously pieces of them missing wow yeah just huge buildings not huge buildings but big and they're still being used and stuff like that or i don't know i couldn't tell you if they're actually being used okay they're just there though yeah this is like a very jarring like memory just like yeah in your everyday life yeah wow yeah, it's just a constant reminder. Yeah, as well of like what happened and and that there's still and there's still. I mean, if you go to Cambodia too, right? In Cambodia, <clears throat> there's still people uh, that suffer their war injuries. There are people without limbs and arms and legs, and because of mines that that blew them apart. And these people are still living with this every day. Yeah, right. It's 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 easy for us to forget that that happened. Mm-hmm. Right, and also that like it's still like something people have to deal with yeah. and like my biggest inconvenience is like 
man, I got to ride like an hour and a half on the bus to get somewhere. Oh, man, my Uber's going to be late. Ugh. Oh, man. They raised the price because it's Saturday night. Oh, that's so <laughs> stupid. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And then there's real problems in the world. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really checks yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I try to tell my kids that I don't have children. Yeah. I try to the kids tell, you perform yeah, for. Yeah, the kids that I perform yeah. for, that, yeah, there's bigger problems in the world. Because mm. I do a thing where I make a kid a balloon animal, and then I always make sure that kid has a sibling. And then I say, all right, so your sister's going to get a balloon, but your brother gets nothing. <laughs> Is that going to be a problem for you? Are you two going to fight over a balloon? <laughs> I certainly hope not. There's bigger issues in the world to fight over than just a balloon. That is a... A very Boom. yeah, that's hey. a huge punch <laughs> at a street magic show. I just show. educated your kids. Yeah, that's more political than a lot of the comics, and I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I've got to a point where I got really jaded with my show because um, I'd been performing it for so long, um, and then I, what really changed my 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 perceptive or mm. my perspective of the show is that I I'm an educator, yeah. whether I like it or not. Well, when it's with kids and like yeah. you almost indefinitely are like yeah. you're teaching them something. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to teach them the right stuff. Right. And I want to teach. Well, what I think is the right stuff. Yeah. That's right? all you can do. Yeah. That's the best I can do. But uh, like I've removed any form of hate from my show. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Any any even self-deprecating humor. I've tried. I've tried my best to remove. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's there's a common thing among street performers where when people are walking past you, you can spout out uh, hurtful lines. Yeah, at these people make fun as they the walk crowd past is you. like an easy kind mm -hmm. of joke. Yeah. yeah. So I cut that from my act. I didn't want to do any of that. I don't want people walking away from the show uh, feeling bad. Yeah. You know, and I don't want the kids to watch me perform and think that it's okay to just say something rude to a stranger on the street. Totally. You know? Yeah. Even like if you there's an old gag, uh, a mime gag where you get a you get someone to try and kiss you on the cheek. And then you turn your and face. And then you turn your face and you yeah. kiss them on the lips, right? That is not okay. It's not okay. No. People still perform that trick though. And I I get on people's case about that because mm -hmm. it's it's you're an educator and you're what you're teaching there is that it's okay to steal kisses yeah. from people. And here's a trick that it's you can do to use it. It's literally called like stealing a kiss. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not cool. Like we need to we need to talk about consent here. Mm -hmm. Right? That's um. There was this was a little while ago. There was the whole like uh, American Idol like Katy Perry thing mm. going on in the mm. news. Did you hear about it? No, tell me more. So, uh, what had happened was like there was like this seventeen, eighteen year old uh, guy who came on to American Idol to like audition, and he was really good. Um, and they were like, oh, like that was really impressive. And Katy Perry was one of the people. I think it was Simon Cowell. Um, someone else and then uh katie perry right and not howie mandel no not howie mandel okay. that's x factor i think okay. yeah <laughs> american idol's too germy of a set for howie mandel right. okay <laughs> who could uh, it have been so they were talking <laughs> samuel l jackson yeah exactly okay. <laughs> we'll say it is <laughs> um and uh they were talking to the kid after as like they do usually yeah um and they're like so like, oh, you're this young and this talented. This is amazing. Mm. And he's like, yeah. And then so it, they're talking and it comes up that he uh, had like he's never uh, like had a girlfriend or kissed a girl or anything like that. And uh, uh -oh. so uh, he they like at one point he comes up to the judges table and uh, Katy, Katy Perry was like, can I like give you uh, or like, would you like to kiss me on the cheek or something like that? And he's like, OK, yeah, sure. Like you're Katy Perry, uh, of course. And yeah. then. 
So he goes and he's going to kiss her on the cheek, and then she turns and does the steal she the kiss. She does the gag. Move. And huh. then what a hack, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that, this kid was like devastated because mm. like and from this being like a male to female thing as opposed to the usual people would be like oh it doesn't matter mm. but for this kid he had never kissed a girl before and he said to them he was like um like i was actually saving my f- first kiss for like something special and you took that yeah. from me and he was like actually really upset and yeah. so there's this huge uproar because again it was like a female <laughs> doing it to a male when usually it's vice versa yeah so it's like katie perry like needs to be like obviously they're not like put her in jail like string her up mm. but like she needs to be like reprimanded for this because mm. that's n- again consent right like yeah and is it, the court of public opinion against this as well like is she at least getting ridiculed on yes on yeah it was very stuff? Like it was the, very much I like kissed a girl and it shocked me <laughs> <laughs> i uh, hope that that was a line that was used but yeah i think like the main thing on the internet was like katie perry like really needs to check herself like mm. Cause that's not something that's okay to do. Cause no. if that was like, if that was one of, if that was Simon Cowell doing that to uh, like an 18 year old girl. Oh, gross. Oh man. He would have gotten in a lot of trouble. Yeah. He probably would have gotten fired. Right. Yeah. And now they're like, Katy Perry needs at least some comeuppance. Magic has like, a really bad habit of having some creeps in it. Yeah. There's a lot of there's creeps. There's always like, my beautiful assistant. Yeah. And oh, all there's that. that. Stuff. There's yeah. absolutely the whole sexualizing of your of your uh, assistant who mm. really is doing all of the work. Yeah. All you're doing is prancing about the stage and saying abracadabra, <laughs> but she's like cramming herself into a box yeah. and her legs are behind her head in order to fit in some of these situations, right? She's doing a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. but all she is is just eye candy. And yeah. I, that's in a, you know, I don't know, that, it's, that's, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, it's unfair. Yeah. Right? It's a disservice it's to like the talent that that person actually has. Yeah. yeah. But there's also just, Creepy magicians who are using magic to pick up women, oh. um, to get people to touch their bodies, Ooh. right? Like, I, mean, I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble for saying how David Blaine has like, like a Ace of Spades tattooed on his pec, or like a Four of Diamonds. Something's tattooed on his pec. Yeah. Right. With the whole idea being, you pick a card, think of your card, put your hand on my big muscly peck. Yeah. Yeah, feel my peck. <laughs> and then I start flexing it. Then I unbutton my shirt and I open my shirt and there's a four of diamonds tattooed to my chest. Yeah. Do you think I have magic powers or do you think I tattooed something to my chest and made you touch me? Yeah. Right? And like rigged the cards so that it made it that card. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's just creepy. It's gross. It is a little yeah. bit. And like... It's interesting, too, because those are easier things to do. Like, yeah. like going back even to, like, the making fun of someone in the crowd yeah. to get the other crowd on your side. Mm-hmm. Like, that's an easy thing to do. Yeah. So it, it, it is actually challenging yourself more as an artist yeah. to not do those things. Did you ever see Penn and Teller's Impression of a Magician? I mean, I know their whole I, thing I is... I don't know if I have. But they, I know their whole thing is just impersonating magicians and, and trying yeah. to piss off magicians. But their one thing that they did where they do a card trick and te- uh, Penn's just like, here's my impression of a magician doing a card trick. Pick a card. You're ugly. All right. Look <laughs> at it. Memorize it. You're also ugly. And uh, place it back in the deck. I'll shuffle it up. And your mother died. And uh, place it back into the pocket. <laughs> and suddenly I pull it out and you're all ugly. Bye. <laughs> just insult the whole audience. Yeah. Right. By the end of the show. I am better than you. I am the smartest man in this room. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. Like, I feel like they're, it's almost become like a custom with a magician's persona in a way. If you think yeah. of the classic 
magician yeah. persona. Same with comedy. Same yeah. with the comedian. Like you have to be. If someone heckles you, you have to like inherently be mean back to them. Mm-hmm. And not all heckles are mean. Sometimes it's just like a drunk person talking. So you don't right. have to be like immediately. You don't have to be like fuck you. Like you can. Yeah. There's other ways of dealing with. Yeah, that. and you got to be careful when you're dealing with a heckler. You have to make sure that the audience heard you being heckled. Yeah. Because sometimes you can just turn on somebody. And then <laughs> as far like, as the audience is concerned, you just suddenly got mad at this guy in the front row. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> they have no idea why. <laughs> and so now the audience is terrified of you. Yeah. Right. You don't want that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So how do you find that? Like, what have been some of the difficulties of uh, cutting those things from your act? Have you just replaced them with positivity or um, I did I did try that, try flipping it and just try if it can be turned into a positive thing, try flipping it. Um, but I found the the thing I learned most is just cutting stuff from your act just tightens your act. True. Right? If you just keep cutting, you'll just end up with three funny jokes in a row yeah. and no filler, nothing that bombs, nothing that just sort of sinks. Mm-hmm. It's just funny, 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 funny. Even if that means your one 20-minute act, if you cut enough of it out, it suddenly becomes seven minutes, then you have a great seven minutes. Yeah, you have a better seven minutes than you did 20. Yeah. yeah. So I would much rather have a solid seven minutes, right? I have one trick that I've whittled down to 30 seconds now. Ooh. But I know it's a really strong 30 seconds, so it's yeah. a perfect MC bit, right? I can awesome. come on and quickly bang out this trick and then introduce the next act. Awesome. Right? And it's yeah. just funny, funny, funny. I find that, yeah, I find the same thing with comedy. And that's just kind of like, I think it's my process at least. Like you, you write, it's like you start, you write it all out and it's like a, just a brick of marble. Right. And then you chip away at it each time you go on stage and realize what works and what doesn't. Hmm. And then you end up with like this sculpture. You end up with this crisp like right. joke that doesn't have any filler. It doesn't have anything it doesn't need to have. And it's like at its most, it's like most efficient and yeah. effective. So I guess I guess never really thought about it being so similar with magic, but well, yeah, it's they're very closely related. It's uh, a little forums. easier as well for a, a comedian um, than it is a magician to workshop material as well, mm. right? Like I only get the occasional gig and and my street show. Yeah, the street show is where I can really bang out material and test it and and work it. Yeah, right. Like in a comedy club environment or a comedian environment, you you want to be moving from club to club every night, yeah. right? You want to do three sets in a night, and by the third set, you'll have that joke nailed, mm-hmm. right? The first one you bomb, the second one you work it, the third one you probably have it by now. Yeah, right. But magicians can't do that. That's a true. magic show can't really do that. Um, I get one shot. One kick of the can, and it either bombs or it doesn't. Yeah. Right. And then it's up to you to be like, why did that bomb or why did that work? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and you can think about it all you want, but if you don't get the next opportunity to work it right away while it's still fresh in your mind, it's going to bomb the next time. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I can't remember what made it work. Yeah. And why did it bomb? Right. Because mm-hmm. it'll be another week before I perform it again. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, too, because Calgary as a city itself isn't in a place where comics can do that in no. terms of like yeah. they can't go like three times in a night. Yeah. If you're established and you're like you can get sets at like the Comedy Cave, you can do like the early show, or the late show and you can get your two sets in. Right. Um, but then you're not. Chances are you're not doing that every night. Yeah. Because uh, like it's just it's a s- still small community. Yeah. Um. And yeah, we're like, and then there's like, like just the comedy Monday nights exactly, and that, yeah. that's just one night a week. Yeah. Right. It would be really nice. It's, if a, it's a weird spot of like 
Calgary is big enough for us to have more than one, but it's like still small enough where people get a little upset when you mm. do a show on the same night as them. Yeah. So it's mm. like a little bit of like offense taken there. Oh. Uh, sometimes I'm not saying all the time, but like, yeah, it's I like, mean, it's, it's ready small to enough pop, that, but yeah, yeah, it's still that small that. community. And I'm That's sure too it's bad even, that it's so small. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it's even smaller in the magician community. Yeah. It's like, pretty tough, especially for variety. Yeah. Uh, entertainment. There's uh, like the comedy clubs. A lot of the clubs just won't deal with me at all. Okay. Um, because, uh, like the, I won't I won't name them, but they just don't like prop acts. Oh yeah. Right? And they've considered me a prop act for years. Yeah. Um and sure, yeah, I come up there with a deck of cards and I and I'll I'll do some material and then I'll do a card trick and close mm-hmm. off with that. But that doesn't mean I'm a prop comic. Yeah. That's right? you're doing magic and then you're intertwining it with comedy you're yeah, connecting it right? that's the like, glue between I'm the ju- yeah uh, exactly the i'm using it as a vessel yeah i'm using the magic trick as a vessel to tell a bunch of other jokes yeah yeah so there's been there's recently been uh i think it's weekly the uh the Ma- make magic show oh yeah at escobar yeah at uh, uh bistro x escobar here yeah in on 8th avenue Vern's. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah so yeah right next to Vern's. yeah so i had the idea that we should do because the Bistro X Escoba is like the fancy mm-hmm. uh, parlor magic show, and then uh, let's do a late show. Let's let's then pack it up and move it down to Vern's, and then do a late comedy show, comedy variety magic act. That'd be pretty at fun. Vern's, yeah. You know, um, I don't think they're into it, but I <laughs> if if I can run it, then I'll run it. But I yeah. don't think it's not a make magic brand. Mm-hmm. Make magic is trying to build a brand of sophisticated, yeah, highbrow entertainment. Well, then really as a show producer, that's a little bit smarter because you're uh, kind of mm. you're reaching out to a demographic that has a little bit more money than like a crowd that would go to Burns has. Yeah. It's like I go to Burns. I got no money. <laughs> yeah. That's why we go to Burns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, because Clint will just give you a beer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like you. I'll give you a beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a good set. You have a beer. That was a terrible set. Have a beer. Yeah. I'm sorry that happened to you. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, to, shout out to Clint at yeah. Burns. That, what a great venue. What a nice guy. Mm-hmm. I love how he always, always reminds people to say please and thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love his stories, too. He tells me a lot of great stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Clint. Good old Clint. Let's, he's not old. No, he's no, not. No, he's not old. But he's like, he's yeah. classic. I think I heard, he's, because uh, he, he, he bought Vern's and started running it, but he ran with a crew of like barkeeper barkeepers and bartenders that was yeah, he a used to work pretty at, powerful um, group. He used to work at a bunch of bars in yeah. in Calgary and he knows a lot about Yeah. Well, it seems like he knows a lot about everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's got a lot, yeah, he's <laughs> like, like a very, he's a good storyteller. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah, he always tells me apparently he used to do like murder mysteries and stuff <laughs> like that yeah. and like yeah. All he's all over the place. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, so uh, let's while we're on the subject um, of make magic, mm. um, you've done how many of those now? One? Or I've only done the two. Yeah, I've only two? done two. Okay. They do a sort of a seasonal thing, and then one magician per week. Yeah. A different magic show per week. Okay. Yeah. So cool. I've only done the two. 
And is it is that like table to table or is that like a full on show? It's yeah, it's a um, it's called parlor magic. So it's set up in like a parlor environment. Okay. Like uh, a parlor would be what we now call a living room. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so I just sort of stand in the middle of the room and perform 40 minutes worth of magic. Cool. Um, basically, I just do. Yeah. My act because I have 40 solid minutes and yeah. then I just do that. OK. And then an opening act, which is usually next week's magician uh, starts off the show. Oh, that's yeah. really smart. Yeah. So then they can like, if you love this opener, come back and yeah, he's come be back the next head. week. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. There's a, there's a few. Those we're still we're still workshopping how to make it successful. Yeah. Um, it's the the business model that it's modeled after is uh, from the Chicago bar magic scene. Okay. And uh, and Los Angeles uses it quite a bit as well. Cool. A sort of sit down table magic where you just the uh, the the original show was performed. Uh, and uh, at a big, long table that sat 15 people. Mm -hmm. And then I would stand at the end of the table and perform magic there. Oh, right? Mostly close-up magic. Yeah. Right? In that kind of environment. And that was kind of the dream. That was the first vision of it, uh, was performing just for those 15 people. And if we sold 30 tickets, then I'd do two shows in a night. If we sold 60, I'd just keep going. Oh. Right? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And then we just sell it as a dinner theater night. But that venue didn't, I don't know, they didn't get it. They yeah. didn't, uh, they, they were, um, I don't know, they just didn't quite understand how the magic show and the restaurant need to co coexist because they really need to help each other out. Yeah. Right. We can be bring. We can be performing all mad. All the magic you want, but you need to help us bring the audience in as well. Yeah. Being the restaurant. Marketing is such a. It's like it's such a dicey thing. Like mm -hmm. you never know who's responsible, and it's not a conversation people like to have. Yeah. I don't think. Like. Well, the way it works in L.A. is is this table is special. This is a special table, and there's a magician performing at it, and only this table really gets to experience the magic show. Yeah. But there's other tables in the restaurant. Right. And they're all watching how much fun this table is having. Mm -hmm. And then maybe while they're sitting there, they'll see an ad on their table that says they can buy a ticket to the next show from your server. And then you do that. And oh, then you sweet. then then when this show finishes, they get up and leave. And then you get told you can now go and sit down at the magic show table. That is so cool. Yeah. That's and very then cool. so you've actually you've actually convinced people to stay at your restaurant another 40 minutes. Yeah. And right? also like you're using the show itself to sell the show. Yeah. Like, wow. And that's that's how showbiz works. Yeah, totally. That's totally how it works, because yeah. if you don't have an audience, do a free show. Yeah. And then you'll get more people. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so how do you do you find that that's like pretty similar? The the parlor uh magic format you say it's yeah. like you pretty much just do your busking act but yeah um well you, do you have to do a little bit more like that highbrow stuff uh no i can no my busking act is i'm i mean i'm the only thing that i'm cutting out of my busking act to perform in a theater is the pace i'm changing the pace quite a bit because at least on the street i'm like i have to be fast yeah keep people's people attention. yeah people will walk away if they don't have the idea that I'm just going to keep spitting out jokes. Mm -hmm. um, so I can change the pace a little bit in the theater. Um, and I'm just not asking for money at the end, right? Oh, but yeah. other than that, everything's the same. Um, the, the, the comedy, the humor, everything's exactly the same. Cool. I'm doing the same material that I've done, tried and tested and true for 20 years now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm, like, I'm very interested in busking uh, in a performance sense where it's not musical. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I find 
like I think we've talked about this a little bit before yeah. um where like what do you do as a busker if you are like a performer like a comedian or like uh a magician like magician you obviously have your tricks but like you right. need to do jokes so that people can stay and still be entertained in between those tricks yeah. like how do you find like uh working at street festivals seeing all these other acts like uh what do people do to kind of like draw these people in without music i think the common theme is that every show has an arc of some sort um, most of them are like stunt shows mm -hmm. so that at the end there's a stunt okay right and then everything leading up is warming up and getting ready for the stunt or building the stunt or educating the audience about the stunt. Okay, I think right? you told me one example of like a guy building a catapult or something yeah. like that. Yeah, this is a great comedian, uh, one of my favorite comedians out of uh, uh, Eastern Canada, Mike Wood. Okay. Um, and he builds a catapult and then puts a cabbage on it and then launches the cabbage and catches it on a spike on his head. That's genius. That's the whole, <laughs> that's the whole, that's the stunt that he does. And it's so... It's brilliantly stupid. Yeah. It's one of those things. But he, but he spends the rest of the show building the catapult. Mm -hmm. um, and like there's this whole whole bit about how the catapult is sponsored by Norco because okay. the catapult is powered by Norco tire okay, uh, yeah. inner tubes. Right. And so this whole concept of this show is sponsored by Norco, but it's not sponsored by Norco. Yeah. It just says Norco. <laughs> so he's just making yeah. jokes about that the whole yeah. time. Well, hopefully one day Norco will hear about it, yeah. maybe through this podcast. Maybe. And then find Mike Wood and then give him some money. Well, <laughs> then we, we want some of that money, Mike Wood, if that happens <laughs> you, because yeah. of this podcast. Yeah, you're welcome, Mike Wood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, give, yeah, just give it to Jimbo. Just <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Yeah, because yeah. I've, like, I've always wondered that being yeah. like a, a comic or an actor, performer. Yeah. Well, I mean, here in Calgary, uh, famously, uh, uh, was an improv trio called the Three Canadians. Mm -hmm. And they just did improv on the street. They just okay. did improv games, short form games. Uh, and then they raised the stakes a little bit by uh, adding, I think they did one show where they put mousetraps on the ground. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. And I think they were the they definitely were the inventors of the mousetrap blindfolded hat game. The danger prov. The danger prov. Yeah. Right. And I think they might have uh, definitely paved the way for doing that kind of stuff with, cool. their, with the three Canadians. Just some random like just one little random piece that might like. Yeah. Make an audience go, oh, what's this? Yeah, uh, exactly. Right. And setting the mousetraps on the ground. That's exciting. Yeah. As people are people are going to walk by and be like, what's going on? We should stick around and see this. Mm -hmm. Then it's explained that it's an improv game. And now people are kind of into it. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> I don't have anything to do right now. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. My uh, my first drama course in university drama 1000 was taught by the old chair of the department at university of lethbridge right and i just love uh, drama 1000 drama 1000 drama 1000 <laughs> yeah uh, in the year 1000 <laughs> it was the class that everyone took because it was very easy <laughs> right or you were going to be a drama major which i was <clears throat> and uh the first class uh, our prof he was he like did his greetings and stuff, but as he did that, he set up three mouse traps on his like p uh, like elongated podium thing, huh. and then he proceeded as he was just giving the introductions and the syllabus where it was getting handed out, he stepped onto the this desk with no shoes on and he blindfolded himself, and then he was just giving this like 
classic everyday like first day of class speech oh cool and but while he was like walking slowly along this desk maybe you're maybe not hitting a mouse trap huh and then uh he finishes the bit either he gets hit by the mouse trap or he doesn't and then he finishes his spiel and he gets off and then he says hopefully by the end of this course you will know why that was interesting cool yeah and like that was kind of his point huh. like and if you don't then hopefully uh at least you were intrigued by this right. or like and his point was just like where did you say you went to university uh university of lethbridge oh cool yeah um so hmm. yeah he was a very interesting guy um that, that that sounds like a really cool professor yeah really it's cool good teacher. especially for an intro course too because mm-hmm. um and i think he had his master's in uh, teaching Right. Like, so he did drama and then he did his master's in teaching. Right. So he was just like all about investing all of that drama energy yeah. into a classroom, like a lecture room. So, right. Uh, I feel like that probably helped a lot of people like, hey, you know what? I'm going to switch to a drama major because yeah. this was really, really interesting and hmm. really cool. And I actually I do have friends who have said that that was like one of the reasons that like helped them. Right. Get to because they saw something interesting. Yeah, exactly. And then we're told I, I can teach you how to make things interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. And then, like, I feel like I didn't really understand it until this moment now, huh. where he's like giving this mundane, like, first day of class speech. Yeah. But just doing something a little off. Yep. The improv shows were super successful. And uh, I think the three Canadians are famously the best improv, street improv troupe that ever existed. Very cool. Uh, and they would always just end the show with some kind of big stunt. Like, that was one of them, mm-hmm. was the mousetraps thing. They also used to get, uh, they also used to do an escape where they got saran wrapped together. <laughs> now, the escape was very strict, uh, very scripted, mm-hmm. uh, and definitely uh, had jokes written into it. Yeah, it wasn't but, as improvised. Yeah, but the gathering of the crowd was all improv games. They played yeah. a word at a time. They played an interrogation game. Um, they even, I remember way back in the day uh, when they had a radio, uh, just a, just just a regular FM radio plugged mm-hmm. into their amplifier and they would just tune through it and then try and improvise to the music or to the radio DJs or oh, to okay. whoever, whatever they find on the radio. <laughs> that's hilarious. It was pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Eric Amber, Derek Flores, and North Darling. Yeah, the three yeah, Canadians. Yeah, the three Canadians. Awesome. I'm going to have to look them up because... Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. North still pr- improvises at Loose Moose Theater. Okay. Um, with, and uh, Derek Flores is an improviser in Wellington, New Zealand now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Eric Amber lives here in Calgary, and he makes movies. Oh. He's now a filmmaker. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Do they ever, like, come do reunion stuff? I guess if someone's in New Zealand. It's, it's hard to get but... the three of them together. Yeah. Um, but if it, sometimes Eric and Derek will do something. Sometimes uh, Eric and North will do something. The Eric and Derek but show. Eric and Derek were hot nuts <laughs> and popcorn. They oh, had a very okay. popular late night chat show here in Calgary. Huh. Very popular for I think five or six years running. Wow, maybe more. I might be misquoting that, but they were they were at Loose Moose Theater and they ran a weekly late night chat show, and it started getting sold out crowds, and they started getting big guests. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Very cool. Yeah, okay. very cool. It is very cool. Busking is such like it's such a. Th- Thing that a lot of performers do not think about yeah and well, I'm, it's like i was saying with comedy right like you want to do three or four sets in a night at yeah. least when you're busking you can do six or seven sets in a day totally yeah, yeah. you just got to command that space and try and draw a crowd yeah. like i think 
for a lot of people, it's just that initial, like, I'm in a public yeah. space. I'm not in a theater, so it's not as safe mm -hmm. to, like, be a performer. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard to get over it. Like, it's even, scary. Yeah, for me, I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. But, like, it's something it's, I want to force myself to do eventually. You just have to remember that you're, <clears throat> you're not telling an audience to watch you right you're not commanding an mm. audience you're not commanding attention you're inviting people into your theater okay right you're, you're it's it's got to be much more warm and welcoming you have to warmly welcome people into the theater to watch you perform yeah right too many street performers i see are like come and watch me here i am here i am this is me and i'm amazing you must watch me otherwise you'll never see this again because i'm moving away and that kind of concept just sort of i don't know makes people uh, I don't know. They turn their nose up to it. They're, yeah, they, uh, they're like they yeah. uh, they don't want to be on your team right away. I would yeah. assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's harder to convince them, yeah, that you're actually worth watching. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, is it more of like I'm just gonna do this stuff regardless of whether you're here or not, and you can stay and watch? That's or? that's my that's my idea with yeah. with uh, with my magic show, is that um, is that whether or not you're here, I'm doing this because I love it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, if whether you pay me at the end or not, it doesn't matter. I still got to come out and do what I love to do, right? The worst part about being a busker in Canada is not working for eight months. Yeah, it's it. That's why I joined uh, the Kinkanots mm -hmm. is because I don't get any stage time for eight months and. You get rusty. It, no, not only do I get rusty, I get withdrawal. Like yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have a stage to perform on. I'd go friggin' crazy. I totally understand that. Yeah. I like, I was at a fundraiser on Friday, and I haven't done stand up in quite a while. Just taking a break and kind of writing and stuff. Um, and just even watching, like, there wasn't a stand up comic, but like just watching the person, like the president of this like fundraiser group. Mm get up and just like talk to a bunch of people with a microphone. I was like, I need that microphone in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I need to do this again. Yeah. There's an yeah. itch. Yeah, it There's is. It's very much an itch like yeah. to just like create and to express in front of like a yeah. group of people. Yeah. I um, love it. I absolutely love it. For some people it's terrifying. and so weird. And yeah. Like, I think for human beings, it's really weird. Yeah. But well, today I like breed. as a best example, I went to do that festival that we were talking about before and it turned yeah. out to be a bust. So I didn't get to perform. Mm -hmm. So then I went home and I watched TV and I kind of moped a little bit and I thought, you know what, whether or not there's people there, I'm going to go get my props and I'm going to go down to the Folk Fest and I'm going to go try and gather a crowd and do a show there. And it wasn't a huge show. Well, it was a huge show. They, they, I gathered a nice big crowd and they were all laughing and cheering and loving me. Yeah. And at the end, when I passed the hat, just the way economy is working now, yeah. hat, hats just don't pay anymore. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate, but I think, yeah, I think we have to start moving forward and start accepting debit and visa. Yeah, you got to like pass the square around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're it, like, I, I would love to get to a point because it was looking like phones were going to get there where you could just bump your phones with each other yeah. and just send money that way. Eventually, when that comes, then I don't have to hold out my hat anymore. I just have to stand there with my phone. Mm -hmm. People come up and bump their phone. Totally. Right? And then I can make money that way. You just have your little square set up on a stool. Yeah. People can just. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival has uh, invented a new idea where they're putting little debit boxes at the street performers' pitches. Oh, right? man. That's and awesome. And so whatever donations go in there during this time go to the performer that was slotted for that time slot. 
That is so cool. Which is really cool. And it's such a difficult thing to manage because Edinburgh is run entirely by a lottery uh, and a draw that happens every morning. So I don't know how they figure out who gets paid what. The the on-the-day coordination would be incredible. (laughs) Yeah. I think that guy must be taking a cut, and he should. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a lot of data yeah. <laughs> that changes every day. Totally. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this person canceled. They're going to switch with this person. You're and it like, ha- that happens all the time. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah especially in like street performances. Yeah. I wonder if it ruins that too because you used to be able to show up to the lottery mm-hmm. win the lottery get yourself the prime time slot the se- the the 730 time slot mm-hmm. on the biggest pitch and then you could just sell it to another busker oh. you, could, you could just turn to the other buskers and be like anyone want to buy this for 300 bucks yeah anyone want to buy my 300 dollars time slot right and someone would probably do that and ah. then and then they would go out and then they'd probably make five or six because right? like those cheating are cheating as a busker you like if you get that lottery you take that yeah you those take that show. those are the uh <clears throat> peruvian bands that mm. do that because oh, yeah. they have like five or six members and uh every member is entered into the lottery uh, right for one band and it's just not fair but they're, <laughs> they're cheating they are yeah. cheating and they're making money that way hmm. right but yeah that that was a a real common problem. I think we've stopped it from happening. But yeah, bands yeah. would show up and every member of the band enters the lottery. So five chances. Yeah, five chances instead yeah. of one. Yeah. yeah. Huh. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, well, I think that's pretty much all the time we got. Oh, really? I know. Yeah. Aww. It goes by really quick. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. That was well, a thank lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I hope to come back again. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. think we, we barely touched the the scratch the surface of what busking is and what th- what street performing is yeah so i can, think we have a lot more to talk about there. and we have it's deep thoughts with connor christmas and gangs so we have plans of bringing the gang back all the time cool. and doing other fun stuff with them so uh, right on so i'm part you, of the gang you are part of the gang all right on yeah, it's a really what, friendly game what are our colors um what are our colors Do probably we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, bright ye- colors, yellow, yellow and blue, orange, maybe blue. I like yellow that. and blue. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. main colors Two on the album colors. artwork. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that make green. Yeah, and we all love our green. Exactly. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> Money. <laughs> oh, I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, weed. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So uh, for everyone listening, that was uh, Jimbo Jordan. Uh, you can find him uh, all summer long at near Princess Island Park in yeah. Calgary. You'd actually find uh, not not to correct you publicly. Oh, sorry. Uh, but magically, you'll find me as James Jordan. James Jordan. Improvise and comedy-wise, yes. you'll find me as Jimbo. Ah, but yes. yes, my magic show is, is James, James Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Uh, correction, James Jordan. <laughs> uh, Instagram handle? Uh, at J Jordan Magic. All right. Uh, and that's the same on Twitter, at J Jordan Magic. And if you want to find me on Facebook, it's Facebook slash J Jordan Magic. That's Consistency. me. Consistency. Yeah, com. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, very talented guy. He's oh, blown my mind. Yeah, like. Stop. In improv and in magic a lot. And I'm very much a skeptic. So <laughs> so that's saying something. Uh, well, that's because I don't tell you that I have supernatural powers. I'm not that kind of magician. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I definitely don't want anyone to think that I... Like, then I'd have to start wearing eyeliner. <laughs> Mind freak. <laughs> and with that, uh, that is our episode of Deep Thoughts with Connor, Christmas, and Gang. Yeah, yeah. Connor, Christmas, and Gang. Woo! <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys.